Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. Open up first and foremost by reading through the scriptures before we begin this morning's message. And so uh, we're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 11. Wonderful. A few of you are catching on. We've been in chapter 11 for the last couple of weeks, and we will be in chapter 11 for the next couple of weeks. So um, <clears throat> I'll read it together. Uh, I'll read it out loud for you, actually, and uh, then we will look into his word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says this, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Lord, may your word pierce our hearts this morning. May it impact our minds. May it impact our souls. And may it cause us to respond in obedience and faithfulness to you. In your name. Amen. Okay, I have titled my message this morning, Faith is a Holy Fear. A Holy Fear. Fear is a word that is uh, very often, and deservedly so, um, has negative connotations to it. Uh, because there is fear and trembling that takes place in this world. There is much anxiety and disorder, and so fear is a real thing. Uh, and we will talk about that, but we'll talk about the difference between a fear that we have, anxiety that we have in this world, in comparison to that of a holy fear. And so I've titled this morning's message, Faith is a Holy Fear. And we are going to go back to the book of Genesis and look through the story of Noah and if you were here on the first Sunday uh, on our series that I explained that the author of the book of Hebrews uses language and kind of assumes that, not kind of, fully assumes that his readers knows a bit of the backstory of the characters. And so this morning in the message, I'm going to go along the same lines that I'm going to assume that you know a bit of the backstory of Noah, or else this might be a bit of a uh, confusing story for you. I'll give you a quick synopsis of what takes place, and I'm going to assume that you know much of the details. So Noah was an Israelite. He was a Hebrew through the family lineage of Adam and Abel and down, uh, and the world was a dangerous place at that time as it is today, and the Lord um, brought a flood to the earth. And to save Noah and his family, he warned him to build an ark. Noah built an ark. The flood came, and his family and animals were uh, kept safe in this ark. I'm going to assume you know the story so we can move on. Can I get a yes? We're good with that? Wonderful. You're awake. I like to see that. And the author in Hebrews talks about the faith of Noah. And it says in the verse 7 of our chapter 11, it says, By faith, Noah, when warned. So my first point this morning is warned. 
Warning, warning, warning. You ever get those messages? Warning. You ever walked out of a grocery store or walked out of a supermarket and uh, maybe you've accidentally kept something in your buggy? Hopefully it was by accident that you kept something in your buggy and all of a sudden it goes beep, 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 warning, warning, warning. We all have warnings in our lives, right? And some of them aren't so shocking where it shocks you that all of a sudden that there's this alarm going off. Some of it is just regular warnings that we have throughout our day and our life. One of them being, I didn't bring up my phone, but uh, weather advisory. I look at that weather app almost every single day, and it's pretty much giving us a warning of what's ahead. Sometimes if weather is severe, it will actually send a message to you saying, warning, weather advisory. It's not looking good in the next couple of days, right? We have travel advisory warnings. Uh, every time from Nanus Bay where I'm staying, when I drive into Nanaimo to go grocery shopping, I see the warning of the BC sailings of how many weights it is or the percentage of how full the ferry is on our way to Nanaimo. That's a warning of how full the ferry is. And so we have warnings throughout our day-to-day always. There's also verbal warnings I give warnings to my children all the time. (laughs) I have taken on um, one way that I warn my kids, the same way that my mother warned me. It's funny, eh? We grow up and we're just like our parents. So I was raised by a single mom, and there were four boys, uh, very close in age. And we used to get warnings or threats, whichever you would like to classify it, (laughs) from my mom all the time. And from youngest to oldest, it was five and a half years, so we were tight in age, we were tight in space, uh, and we weren't always the tightest in friends. We were frenemies, and so we would fight all the time. And so my mom gained this uh, reputation that she wouldn't give us a warning when we were in the moment of fighting. She would give us the pre-warning. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you've done nothing wrong, like you've been good kids. We never went to people's homes very often, and we never went out to eat very often because just finances and because of the chaos of what it would be with four children and a single mom. But she always gave us that pre-warning if we were going somewhere. If you even think about hitting each other, <laughs> even don't even consider doing this or we are leaving immediately right away. We would always get that pre-warning. You know what I'm talking about? But we don't always respond well to warnings. Like warnings are actually for our good. Like, like warnings are for our health and for our good, and for the good of our future, so we don't get slapped across the back of the head by your mother, or whatever it may be. Warnings are for our good, but we don't always respond to warnings in a positive way. How do you respond to warnings, if you think back? There are often times where we think, oh, I resent that warning. I don't want that warning in my life. I don't want the result of what that warning would insinuate in my life. Oftentimes, we can even think, well, this person, they, who do they think they are knowing more about something than I do? And because of that, our, our pride can get in the way, and so we reject warnings. But warnings are actually very good for us. We can appreciate them, or we can resent them. Even thinking back a couple of weeks in the passage of Abel and Cain, remember that method that God used both with Adam and with Cain, where he inquired, and then he warned, and then he, um, he convicts, and then he gives grace. The, the Lord gives warnings all the time. And we demonstrate our faith in God 
by regarding his warnings. We demonstrate our faith in God when we regard his warnings. Scripturally, it says in Ephesians 5, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful. Warning. He says in Deuteronomy, beware that your hearts are not deceived, that you do not turn away and serve other gods. Beware. It says in Matthew 24, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So we demonstrate our faith when we regard God's warnings. In Genesis 6, a bit of the account of Noah, it says this, Noah was a righteous man, a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. I really love the language there. Paul and I were talking about this as he spoke about Enoch and that Enoch walked with God. And we see that same expression here with Noah. He was considered a righteous man. He was blameless, so he had a good reputation amongst his friends and his family and his peers. And he walked faithfully with God. So there's something about that slow, methodical pace in our walk and our faith and relationship with the Lord. Verse 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. Verse 17, I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your, wi- your sons' wives with you. So God gave this specific direction to Noah, gave this specific, distinct direction on who was allowed into the ark, how to build the ark, the creatures that were to come in, the family members that were to come in, what material he was to use to build the ark, very specific directions that God gave Noah. And verse 22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded. So God gave this warning to Noah, and Noah followed through. But what I find so interesting, what I find so interesting is so often we think, okay, God, give me a sign first, and then I'm going to follow through. Give me a sign, answer my prayers, and then I will follow. But here in this situation, God gave distinct instructions and warning, and he said, I will establish my covenant with you. But that sign of the covenant wasn't until after the flood took place, not before. So Noah demonstrated his faith when warned by God about things not yet seen. Remember that about faith? The description of our faith, the definition of faith is confidence in what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. So when God gave this warning, the flood hadn't happened yet. Dry ground And there's opinions and scholars who think rain never even existed yet at this time. That's for another conversation. doesn't really matter for this point of the message. But nonetheless, the rain for the floods had not happened. It was dry ground. And God gave a warning. He said there will be a promise and a covenant to follow. But Noah first had to act in faith 
to act in faith. And it says Noah did everything just as God commanded. So our passage, it says, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, in holy fear, he built an ark. It's my second point, a holy fear. Paul, in your message last week, uh, I was listening to it online, and you said this, this line, sometimes we are called to do things that might seem small. Other times we might be called to do things that are big. Might seem too big. I think Noah would say the too big <laughs> one in his life. To build a what? To build a giant boat? An ark? When it's dry ground, I have to do what? And my family's going to come with me, and animals are going to come with me. Of Every living creature is going to come in, and i got to bring food to supply for these animals for the time being that we're going to be on this boat. And there's going to be a what? A flood? A flood is going to happen? But it says, in holy fear, Noah, he built an ark. And Scripture has a lot to say about the fear of the Lord. A lot to say. And the fear of the Lord, it's foundational to our relationship with God. The fear of the Lord. And fear can refer to several things, okay? Like it can, it can refer to, in our world, when we think of fear, we think of fright. Like we think of, of, of scare. We think of trembling. We think of anxiety. We think of being frozen because fear is just totally taken over. That's where our immediate response goes to within the world. But Scripture has a lot to say about fear and specifically fear of the Lord. It means terror when one feels frightened. And you can think of stories and images when the angels would come upon the disciples and they would fall to the ground, or when the, the burning fire was going and Moses is afraid and he takes off his sandals because the Lord says to do so. There's fear, right? The, the covering of face or the falling down because of the glory of God is so much. So there is, there is terror one may feel frightened, but the fear of the Lord is more than that. It also means respect, like a child to a parent, like a student to a teacher, like an employee to an employer, a good employer, like a, like a husband to a wife, to a wife to a husband, a servant to a master. It can mean respect. And it also means like a reverence and an awe, a reverence that one can feel in the presence of greatness. And the fear of God, I believe, is a combination of all of those. The reverence and the awe, the respect and the trembling. We tremble in a good sense, in a holy sense, in a respect, in a reverent sense, not in an anxiety-stricken sense. And those who fear the Lord, they have this continual awareness of his presence, a reverence for his greatness, and a commitment to obey him. Holy fear means we incorporate reverence and respect of God into all areas of our lives. Into all areas of our lives, right? In the way we handle our money, in the way that we spend our time, in the way that we uh, handle our business, who we spend time with, where we go, what we do, do we spend or do we steward our finances, Proverbs 9 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So every decision, every response, every reaction is to be filtered through this perspective, this holy fear of wisdom in our lives. 
Faith isn't solely a belief system. Amen? It's a belief and a behavior system. Amen? So it means we speak different. We talk to people different. It means that we don't judge. It means that we don't dishonor. It means that we don't slander, but we speak to edify and to build and to uplift and to encourage. We don't cast judgment. We don't cheat. We don't live immorally. We don't hurt people. But we live and walk in faith and hope and love. Even when, even when it looks weird to our world, right? Even when, you know, we say we, we give. Let's talk about this one. We give financially a certain percentage of our money. And we do so cheerfully. That's Christ's teaching on finances and giving. We do so cheerfully. And the world thinks you do what? Why do you gift? <laughs> and they don't get it. Well, I spend my time and we do this and, and we raise our kids this way and we don't give everything to our kids because of. And our values are different than the world. And the world says, what? Well, why? And they think it looks differently. And I think they said the same thing to Noah when he was building a boat. Wait, what? It's going to what? I've never heard of rain. <laughs> I've never heard of a flood. I don't even know what that is. I don't mean to say I believe the no rain part. I don't want to get caught on to that. <laughs> but it would have looked weird. It would have looked different. It's hard. It's hard. It takes a lot of faith to build a boat on dry ground. Amen? It takes a lot of faith. And here, in holy fear, Noah builds an ark. In reverence and awe and respect and maybe even terror of the Lord. He builds an ark. One of my favorite points of that specific sentence in Hebrews 7 where it says, in holy fear he built an ark. The following words says, to save his family. Oh, I love that part. I'm almost 40. So I'm hitting the age in my life where I'm not just solely looking forward to goals and aspirations and dreams. I'm actually really fully considering, okay, my past, what follows me, and the legacy that will come. I'm in that season of life where it's like both now I really, really, truly care a lot about. And I think, oh, Noah, when he built this, he's not just building it to save his life, but he built it to save his family's life. And so my last point I have this morning for the example of the faith in Noah's life, he, he heeded the warning of God. In faith and holy fear, he put his hands to work and he built an ark. His behavior exemplified his belief. But the last point is in this life and the next. Noah's faith, his holy reverence, his respect and his awe not only saved his life, but also his children's life saved his family. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see actually many of these faith giants and how their response, their belief, and their behavior affects not only themselves, but their family, their lineage, their heritage, and the generations to follow. Their act of faith plays in such a massive way into the life and the eternal state of their children to follow. So can I say this, mothers and fathers and grandparents in this room, especially those who may have children 
who have maybe walked away from their faith or are discouraged or are struggling in their faith. Can I tell you, through the dysfunction of this family and the dysfunction of yours and the faith that we can hold on to in this world, our faith can have an impact on the generations to come. Do you believe so? There is a reckoning that each person will come in their faith journey with the Lord, yes. But the example in which that you can live out in your faith can play massively into the impact of their life now and their eternal state in the future in the next life to come. So not only did his faith save him on this side of death, but on the other side of death as well. In verse 7, it says, By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. An heir, a son of the righteousness of God, of his grace, salvation that comes only through faith. And the Bible tells us that there are two kinds of righteousness in this world. There is the righteousness that comes by our own acts of obedience, of following the letter of the law. This is what I'm told to do. I'm going to do it. And this is what I'm told not to do, so I'm not going to do it. And I can gain a righteousness if I am perfect in that. But we all know we all fall short and miss that mark. So that righteousness is impossible. And the other kind of righteousness comes from God through faith in him and him alone. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. It's only the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Do we give? Are we granted? Are we blessed with the identity of being an heir to the throne and a co-heir with Christ? That we are adopted into the family of God as a children, as an heir. Noah received not just life, after the flood, but received life after his death, not because of his own righteousness, but through his faith in God, it was credited to him as righteousness. Amen? Through faith in God, it was granted, it was given as righteousness before the Lord. Heeding God's warnings will bring great benefit in this life. Do you believe that this morning? Regarding God's warnings can spare us from trouble in this life and can give you the gift of eternal life in the next one. Do you believe that this morning? God still warns today. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus will one day return. The imminent return of Jesus Christ will take place in our future. And the bridegroom will come and retrieve his bride and to sit at a table and have a banquet feast of celebration in the union of the bride and bridegroom. Jesus will return. And so what we do today to proclaim, to heed, and to regard that warning, we take communion together to remember what Christ has done, to remember that we can only receive that righteousness and adoption and become an heir to the throne when we submit ourselves and accept the righteousness that he gives and grants us. So we take communion to remember. But we also take communion to proclaim the warning that God has given us. 
that he is going to come one day and he is going to wipe this earth out and bring a new heaven and a new earth. But he has granted us the gift of new life in eternity as we proclaim that he too is one day going to return. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you eagerly waiting? Eagerly waiting for the return of our Savior? Amen? Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The faith of Noah saved him and his family. And I believe that your faith and your holy fear can save your soul and be an example of salvation to your children and their children's children. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.